0: You're listening to the SLT Podcast, a resource to encourage and equip Liberty Christian School families for a Christ-centered life.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the SLT Podcast. That's the Spiritual Life Team. It's not a podcast about salt, um, oh. to my chagrin. <laughs> but we're back, and we've got a really exciting topic today. I am Alex. Alex. I'm Courtney. I'm Taylor. And I'm Sam. And uh, we're the Spiritual Life Team here at Liberty Christian School. And we've got a really exciting topic today, spiritual disciplines. And uh, I'm excited about them because there's a bunch of stuff in here that when I first became a Christian was not exciting to me. But then as I learned to walk in these things, they became way more exciting. But before we do that, Let's do a little icebreaker, everybody. And uh, let's start with this question. I want everybody to tell a little story. So story time. Yay. Gather around the campfire. Mm. Yes. Mm. What's the hardest thing
2: you've ever done? Ooh. Sam. Okay. I can see you thinking. Yeah. I'll start us off. It came right to mind. Um, it actually has to do with liberty. Um, so before I started working here, this is one of the first times I ever fasted. Um, and I decided to try out vegetarianism for a month. Oh,
3: wow. So
2: that I could understand why the Lord they're wrong. You. That's commitment. No, I'm just kidding. It was a Daniel fast. And every year we had a tradition of coming to the chili cook off at the football game here at Liberty. Oh, wow. And so already this was super difficult because I was only eating like fruits, nuts, and vegetables. So, you don't so eat any of the goodies? Rabbit food, the food my food eats. And so. <laughs> The enemy loves to tempt people when they're trying to get closer to the Lord. Oh, that's crazy. That guy. So not only do I have to do what I now call the gauntlet, which is where you have to walk, you know, the entrance to our bleachers. That's where all the chili stands are set up and it (laughs) smells amazing. We get up into the stands and I'm just, you know, keeping to myself, not complaining about it. Like, okay, I can do this. You don't need it. And this was, keep in mind, this is like the third day. And so when it's the hardest, like my body is not adjusted to this mistake that I've made. And it was hilarious. I was literally turning to my wife to tell her, man, I made it through. I didn't eat any of that brisket. I didn't grab any of that free food. So a couple of cheerleaders start walking up and down the aisles of the bleachers oh boy. with all of the <laughs> leftover food going, free barbecue, <laughs> legit. I'm not exaggerating. One after the other, they were coming up, trying to give away to the people in the stands all of the extra leftover brisket. And then literally somebody had made brownies. It's as if I made a list of my favorite things and they were bringing them before me. So I'm not saying that meat and bacon were being influenced by the enemy to tempt me. I'm not saying that. (laughs) Next?
3: You know, Maybe? I, feel, I do have to say that, that there was some redemption in that story mm-hmm. because several years later, weren't you one of the judges of the yeah. chili contest?
2: Indeed. Oh. We'll tell that story another
0: time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Taylor, right,
3: what's the hardest thing you've ever done?
0: Hardest thing i ever done. Um, it was harder, uh, for my wife because the hardest thing I've ever done is having twins. Um, Having twins is the hardest thing that I've ever done. Uh, when I had twins, I worked in an office job. And for the first couple months of their life, I had a sleeping bag and a pillow. And I took naps underneath my desk in my <laughs> cubicle. Um, and people would walk by like management and things like that. They'd be like, what is he doing? And uh, the, my coworker that shared the cubicle with me is like, "Oh yeah, twins." He's like, "Oh yeah, understandable, understandable." Yeah, so that was that was rough. Uh, waking up multiple times a night with two little baby boys, uh, feeding them, changing them, um, all that stuff. Because Andre and I both uh, woke up because I wanted to help, uh, and she needed help because having twins is, you know, you're both on deck to to get everything done. And so, yeah, that was exhausting. How Um, old were you
3: when the twins were born, for the listeners?
0: I was 24. I think I was 24 that happened. You just delayed my baby schedule, so thank you. Yeah. So, that was definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. Courtney!
3: Well, I think mine is a far more serious route than either of y'all's, but the hardest thing I've ever done was survived the fashion tragedy of growing up in the early uh, 2000s. (laughs) Good if You know, shout out to all of you who also wore gauchos and everything limited to really... Like Lizzie
0: McGuire. Oh Mm.
3: yeah. Pink and brown polka dots were like the... Thing Just <laughs> a that. glitter eyeliner in middle school. I literally wore glitter eyeliner like every single day. It was a trademark.
0: That's amazing. You know,
3: so I'd say that was mine. Looking back at those pictures, I'm just like, mm, what were my parents thinking letting me wear this outside? <laughs> like, I'm ashamed for them because I had no cares in the world. But I'm like, wow, I wore this in public. And I guess everyone was, but it was just a little tragic. So I survived that. That's probably the hardest thing.
1: <laughs> wow. Alex? Well, the hardest thing that I ever did was almost die on a mountain. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) And so... In gauchos? uh, In gauchos. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so um, I had this friend who um, I liked teasing for his proclivity towards the outdoors. He loved doing outdoorsy stuff, and uh, I'm basically the human embodiment of Garfield. And so... (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. And he decided to challenge me, and uh, boy, did I get humbled. Um, He had me wake up at four in the morning and join him this is in el paso texas where there are real mountains Mm -hmm. big mountains desert mountains and he took me on this trail apparently it's one of the easy trails oh sure Uh, oh yeah they never mean that and i i made it to the top of the mountain hey yeah i did and my body was started to betray me i had the the sweats my (laughs) pulse was abnormally fast i did not feel good um and then i collapsed and they thought I was playing around um, and I could not get back up and they kept walking and I got left there on a mountain trail to die. And that's when you got new friends. No, and this is when a mountain man, right? Like just this regular guy. Probably an angel. Way older than me. Uh-huh. He was walking the same trail I was. Like pokes me with one of his sticks. Hey, you all right, man? I'm like, I don't feel good. Oh, okay. You have friends here? Like, yeah, they passed me. Hopefully they come back and he kept walking.
3: Okay, probably not an angel.
1: (laughs) Not a worst angel ever. The one I made fun of is the only one that returns. He's the only one that helps me get down the mountain. And when I finally convince him that I probably need serious medical attention, Mm. they decide to first stop at Whataburger and leave me in the car. (laughs) Of course. I had heat exhaustion,
2: wow. it turns out, and was close to a heat stroke.
1: And that's the story of me climbing a mountain
2: and almost dying on it. I mean, in the Bible, nothing bad has ever happened on a mountain. Nothing. So, yeah, not. So, speaking of the Bible, um, we are going to be talking about spiritual disciplines today. So, the first thing we want to do is define what a discipline is. And so according to Ron Swanson, anyway, a discipline is the ability to repeat a boring thing over and over again. (laughs) Perfect. Right. We can end the podcast right now. Yeah. So disciplines would be like um, exercising, dietary habits, things like that. So then what are spiritual disciplines? How would y'all define that?
1: Yeah, I think um, probably the working definition that we'll use in our understanding as biblically given practices and habits that promote and deepen a love for God and people for the sake of the gospel. And, um, you know, that's what's so awesome about being here at Liberty Christian School is that it is a gospel-centered community. And if we're going to do anything as spiritual life leaders is we're going to try to help the students here um, engage in these spiritual disciplines because we believe Um, that God is forming us in the midst of this community. One of the things that's always impacted me about spiritual disciplines is what John Wesley uh, has to say, and I'll read this quote from him. He says, All outward means of grace, or spiritual disciplines, if separate from the Spirit of God cannot profit or conduce in any degree either to knowledge or love of God, all outward things, unless he work in them and by them, are vain. So I want to start with that just because... These are not things that we we do to try to coerce God to do stuff for us. They're they are things in where God is promising to operate in. It's where He is. We're not positioning God into our lives. We're actually positioning ourselves into where God is in the midst of in the midst of practicing
0: these means of grace. To point to that, another way to think about the quote is kind of likening it to sports and so with basketball i think it's a good point of anybody if they pick up a basketball if they throw it they could make it into a basketball hoop Mm -hmm. but someone who practices um who has correct form who engages who disciplines themselves to train in basketball will be more likely to make that basket Um, that will be a better basketball player will have more enjoyment playing that game and so the same way is that god has given us these disciplines that we could practice that we would further enjoy him these disciplines were given to us by god so that we could ever increasingly get into his presence to know him more and so um one thing that we wanted to talk about is what spiritual disciplines are and kind of characteristics of them and really all this kind of wraps around, uh, with why we do this, like, why are you practicing disciplines? Well, it's because you want to get to a certain place that you're currently not at. That's why we have discipline in really anything, uh, that we're currently not at a place where we want to be and we want to get there. Right. Uh, and so first Timothy four, seven, it says, train yourselves for godliness. Train yourselves. Kind of like an athlete would train their bodies. They would train their things. They would create habits that make them a better athlete, right? And so we want to practice these habits to train in these spiritual disciplines uh, that would engage us with the Lord more. I love what you just said, um, because
2: the way that you've just described it, discipline sounds more like a joy and a privilege than it does in a negative connotation. So I know last year for my spiritual life class that I teach in lower school, our theme for the year was spiritual discipline. So each of the nine months that we had class, um, I taught them a different one of these disciplines. And seemingly every month I taught the students um, the difference between discipline and punishment because I asked them, what do you think discipline is? And their response um, was always what they first think of is being punished. Like you've done something wrong, so you have to be disciplined. And so I got to show them the difference between punishment and discipline. in that punishment is just, we're putting you in this unpleasant situation so that you learn what you should have done better. Discipline is actually the lesson you're supposed to learn from it. So in the case of spiritual disciplines, it's not punishment at all. It's opportunities Mm -hmm. to get closer to the Lord and to be shaped more Christ-like. And that's what I focused on with the students. You know, I made sure that they were difficult things to practice because if they're not difficult, then what's the point? And so the more that they practiced them, um, it's not that they were avoiding something bad so much as they were getting to just grow closer to Jesus.
1: Yeah, and in the same line of Sam, you, you have that, that class because you felt on your heart. Like, students should know this. Should Students should participate in this. Um, Courtney had the same thought, too, with our upper school.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, For Leadership Academy, it's an optional leadership program for upper school students, and it is required if they want to be an impact leader, which is putting them in a mentorship or discipleship position for middle school students. So we were really just praying and talking together, and we were like, how can we see that they are in a healthy place to put them in that position of leadership and that they have the commitment to the Lord, not to us or the program, but to the Lord to lead in that way. And actually a quote from, um, The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster is kind of what sparked this desire of what we wanted the program to look like. And Richard Foster says, um, God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving his grace. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can work within us and transform us. By themselves, the spiritual disciplines do nothing. They can only get us to the place where something can be done.
0: That's so good. And
3: so really we have, it's a self-paced program with all these different kinds of activities within these core values that students get to choose which ones they want to complete in their own time. And every single one of them has scripture attached to the purpose. And it has a very um, specific reason why we chose it. And it's because each of the activities are going to open up room in their lives for the Lord to work. And that's the best thing that we can do for them is to hope that it creates a spiritual discipline within their lives. So some examples of what they are would be like uh, meeting with the Lord consistently or completing an inductive Bible study. One of them is memorizing scripture, having an accountability partner. Um, so kind of like the corporate discipline that Taylor was talking about, uh, sharing your testimony, meeting with a mentor, keeping a prayer journal. There are all these different options they have that allow them to explore those things and really our desire is that when they do those activities, the Lord would move in their lives and that they would begin to develop these spiritual disciplines.
1: That's so awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, to capture the heart, but I think both of you are saying, and even some, that quote that you read, and we understand like it's only the Holy Spirit
3: mm-hmm.
1: that gives us the power to walk out uh, a Christ-centered life. And these spiritual disciplines are no substitute for that. But what we also believe is the Holy Spirit that pushes us towards these spiritual disciplines as a means to grow in our enjoyment of Jesus. It's these spiritual disciplines that grow our joy in christ they grow our love for him Uh, they don't grow god's love for us certainly he has poured out all his love towards us on that cross through his son and i think spiritual disciplines are just a response to that to that great gift right and um, this is why you know paul says in timothy train yourself for godliness Um, you know to train yourself for this great gift that's been given to you even Uh, If you give your kid a car, you're still going to have to teach your kid to drive that car, right? They have the car. There's no question about it, Uh, but they may not know how to use that car. And so I think spiritual um, disciplines are not so much about obtaining something as much as it is about accessing something or utilizing something that we already have.
3: And I think with Leadership Academy, our purpose Too was a lot of times we just as believers question we want to grow, we want to grow closer to the Lord and develop these disciplines, but we just don't know where to start or don't know how and what that looks like. And so, we're kind of creating a roadmap for students of hey, here are things that will open the door. And with that, we're going to share a handful of those spiritual disciplines today and really focus on kind of an overview of a um, specific few. But do one of y'all want to give us an overview of just what disciplines there are or could be.
0: Yeah, sure. I, um, I also want to note before we list these disciplines is that we're going to be listing these and there are many of these that I personally uh, need a lot of growth in. Amen. Amen. Um, (laughs) Right. And that whenever we go over these, there might be some where those who are listening will be like, Oh, I don't do that. Well, I'm reading them and I don't do some of them well either. Mm -hmm. And so just be encouraged in that, that like God does not uh, require perfection from us because Mm -hmm. that's been given in Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ that he has fulfilled that. Um, But he does command obedience and faithfulness. And so uh, that is where we are going in this, that we would be ever stumbling forward Mm -hmm. um, in our, Uh, spiritual disciplines and becoming more like Christ and becoming more, uh, godly, um, in that way. And we want to focus really on three for this podcast, and that's going to be prayer, fasting and studying. And so, um, what would you guys have to say, um, about these three spiritual disciplines? Sure. So part of the reason that we wanted to do spiritual disciplines
2: at this point is it's January and people are trying to shape new habits and kind of create healthier lifestyles. And so this is the spiritual area of getting healthier in that way. And so we think that um, these three of prayer, of fasting and of studying the word are three things that are kind of um, intro level that anybody can pick up and instead of being intimidated and saying, I don't know where to start, we want to give the resource of saying, First, here's what God says about these. And then here are some recommendations for how you can get into these, not just as a um, thing that you're forcing yourself to do, but creating new habits for yourself and hopefully a more Christ-centered lifestyle when it's all said and done. So first off, um, prayer is described a lot in the Bible. Um, and one particular thing to help navigate God's heart for prayer and why He's given us as His children this ability to speak to Him is Philippians 4 6 and 7, which says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so, That to me is always such an encouragement of why do we pray? So that's what I try to encourage the students about prayer is first you give thanks for everything you have. Even if you're in a circumstance where you're maybe in a moment of crisis and it's hard to see what blessings God has given you, you can look back and see the things that he's done in your past and give him thanks for that. And what that does is encourages and strengthens your spirit to then ask him for what you need. And you'll actually have the faith behind what you're asking after you've remembered, oh man, God has come through for me in the past in these different ways. So when you give thanks and then go into asking for what you need, it's reminding your spirit of how God has come through for you. And that's who he is and what he does. And so um, we also have an example of how not to pray, thankfully, in scripture. In Matthew 6, 5 through 7, Jesus is teaching and says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues and temples where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. And so to me, the first thing that that brings up is an interesting question that I think I've gotten a lot, and I'm sure you guys might have as well. Um, so I'll just ask all of you, do you have to pray out loud? Well, um,
1: c- certainly not. Um, you know, there's there's God is not uh, so weak that he can't hear what we're praying in our hearts. God is not uh, unable to not discern what's in our minds. As a matter of fact, Scripture constantly shows the fact that he does just that, Even the story of the man who's completely paralyzed, who's brought by his friends through a hole in the roof to Jesus. And Jesus just looks at the man who can't talk, can't walk, can't do anything, and just discerns his heart and knows that he wants forgiveness. And Jesus just looks at him and says, don't worry, your sins are forgiven. That is an unspoken prayer. And yet Jesus knows it and answers it and responds to it with mercy and kindness. Um, But certainly... I do think there's something beneficial to praying out loud. And I don't think this is an indictment on praying in public. If you go out to a restaurant and want to pray before your meal with your family, that's fine. Um, I think what this is an indictment of, um, I think we'd better understand it in our culture as like Twitter prayers or (laughs) Facebook prayers, where we only pray when we can post or tweet about it. Mm -hmm. Um, we, We do it for the likes Right. We do it for the retweets.
2: Pray to be seen praying so people think we're super spiritual.
1: Correct, yeah. Rather than building, uh, rather than praying for building a relationship with God, we're praying to be known as someone that has a relationship with God, whether it's true or not. Um, mm. And I think that's what Jesus is really coming after here. Not necessarily that you pray out loud or that you make him known with your prayers. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And we have several examples of that in Scripture, even Daniel prays openly with his window open for everybody to see, even Mm. though he knows it's going to cost him his life. Uh, and He's not rebuked for that. That's Mm. um, something he's honored for in scripture.
3: And I think I would challenge if there was someone that is hearing this and is like, okay, affirmation, I can be resolved in my decision to not pray out loud that I would really challenge that of like, okay, there's probably something deeper there because God has gifted us with community for a purpose. Like we see in scripture that where two or more are gathered, that God is there and that there's opportunity just to be, um, drawn together that God has chosen for prayer to be the means by which he moves, not because it's new information to him, but that's just the way that he has created us. And so if there is something that's insecurity, maybe if it's pride, if it's fear of saying the wrong thing, then those are really good things to recognize in yourself. And see what is it because I think any of us can get like that at times of starting to be in our flesh and being like oh what am I saying the right thing is this good enough for the group of people that I'm praying with like I don't know if I'm not I'm not capable for this and that's a great opportunity to reflect individually with the Lord to pray one-on-one between you and the Lord and then just kind of dissect that a little bit and see because I think you're missing out a lot if you're fearful of. Um, praying out loud with another. Yeah. yeah.
0: Our pastor, the, the other day, he he put it very simply with saying, you know, you don't need all these fancy words, but you just got to pray what you got. And, and I think some people are intimidated to pray in front of people because they won't have those right words to mm-hmm. say. But we're not praying for people. We're praying to the Lord. Um, and so if you're concerned with wanting to pray in front of people because you do all the right words and you want to look good in front of people, then that's not okay. Mm -hmm. And if you're also fearful to pray in front of people because you're concerned with what they think about your spirituality based upon your prayer level, Mm -hmm. and that's also not okay. And so really just examine our hearts of what prayer is for. And it's not, to impress people. Yeah. Um, it's to be obedient yeah. to the Lord and to have fellowship with him. And so I just want to go back to your verse Sam in, in Philippians four, six, where it says, Do not be anxious about anything, mm-hmm. but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. Um, man, I, I pray that this would be a place of Liberty that we would have, um, like how amazing it would be for our students and for our families to be a people of prayer. Yeah. Um, Because where anxiety is, prayer is not. Mm -hmm. Because here we see in the Bible that they're opposite of one another. That anxiety and prayer are not compatible. And so if we become a people of prayer, I promise you that anxiety will lessen. And for a generation of our students who are plagued with anxiety and stress, um, I, I, I believe that there's a correlation of a lack of prayer. And so I think the discipline of prayer would help immensely in our anxiety. Because we would come to the understanding that we are not God. And we can't handle this. And so we're going before a God who cares, who knows, and is capable to handle it. We could do an entire episode. And in, probably
3: will. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. On um,
2: prayer, but also on stress and anxiety. And we might be planning to do that in the future. Spoilers. So the next of the disciplines that we are going to be looking at is also not defined word for word in the Bible because it takes several different iterations, but we're going to be talking about. Fasting. So even though fasting is not explicitly defined in Scripture, we do have Jesus teaching um, an example, actually in the same message that he was delivering about prayer, of what not to do um, with fasting. And so in Matthew 6, verse 16, he says, When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private. And your father, who sees everything, will reward you. So Jesus is revealing that the purpose of fasting is really more your heart behind it. And so, with that in mind, um, another question that I think is really common when we talk about fasting is does it necessarily have to be Food that you give up when you fast.
1: Yeah, I think this is a a really tricky one because like you said, it's not explicitly given to us. It's not a a definition. So uh, what we can do though is look at what people have done and kind of take away from their actions and then model our lives around um, Mm -hmm. uh, those specific actions. So for example, we can look at Daniel, right? We can look at Daniel chapter 10 verses 2, through three reads when this vision came to me i daniel had been in mourning for three whole weeks all that time i had eaten no rich food no meat or wine crossed my lips and i used no fragrant lotions until
2: those three weeks had passed and i so, can't imagine not using fragrant lotions i know <laughs> what would i do without me the eucalyptus the stress really. Y'all know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, absolutely. For eucalyptus mint. Yeah. Three
1: weeks. I mean,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, in, all, in all seriousness, though, like what we see here is uh, what's usually uh, called the Daniel fast, right? Where you stay away from meat and rich foods. And it's not so much what he's having as much as what he's giving away and what that symbolizes, right? Mm-hmm. And it symbolizes um, it's not that these things that he's giving up are bad. It's that I don't need these good things, and with my actions, I am showing myself and the world, I don't need these good things because I have the good thing, the presence of God. And so I am retreating from the good things of the world that will fade away in order to have more of the good thing that will never fade away.
3: And that in giving up those good things like you were talking about, whether it's, um, food or drink or whatever that is, they're things that are going to bring to remembrance your desire for them. Mm-hmm. So if you are fasting from sundown to sundown from food and you're going to be hungry and you're going to have those pains and you're going to think about, wow, I'm hungry. My stomach is grumbling or whatever it is. Then it's a reminder of, oh, why am I doing this? Because God is in control and he is mm-hmm. my provider and he's that's sufficient. So yeah. And so now I'm going to turn my mind to prayer and focus back on him. And that's the point of fasting. And more than any other discipline, this one really reveals the things that control us. Mm-hmm. And, um, fasting exposes who we really are and reminds us that we are in a broken world and it has to, our eyes have to be drawn to Jesus and how he's redeeming all things within that.
0: That's good. That's really good. And I think Scripturally, why it's normally food uh, is there's a, there's a quote uh, from Justin early and he wrote a book called the common rule, which we would highly recommend to anyone who has more interest in spiritual disciplines and creating habits that would make us more of a uh, Christ seeking people on a daily basis uh, that would give us tools to implement this in our daily lives. And one thing that he, he quotes about fasting is it says, we constantly seek to fill our emptiness with food and other comforts. We ignore our soul and our neighbor's need by medicating ourselves with food and drink. Mm. And so fasting is simply intentionally withholding ourselves from things that we'd normally fill that void of emptiness with so that we could intentionally focus on what really gives us fulfillment yeah. mm-hmm. and meaning in life and fullness, which is the Lord yeah. himself. So good. I know that for me,
2: fasting entertainment, is really huge for doing exactly what you just said, Taylor, for getting that roadblock between me and being satisfied only by the Lord. So I will give up screens except for, you know, work purposes. So, you know, no Netflix, no YouTube, no entertainment um, from that so that I can focus more on the Lord. So you're withholding something that's not necessarily bad, Hmm. but choosing to remind yourself of what's really good. So the third spiritual discipline that we are going to be talking about today is studying. So studying scripture, studying the Lord. Um, So kind of the
0: intellectual pursuit and growing in knowledge of who God is. Yeah. And why is it important that we study our Bible? Um, One is because God gave it to us. And if he thinks it's valuable and important, then it's valuable and important. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a beautiful thing that some people uh, I've talked to, like, man, I wish that I could live um, in the Old Testament, that God could just appear and talk with me. And, you know, that would make it really real for me. Um, but just to know that God chose to give us a written account of who he is um, and how we're to know him and how we're to live so that we can go back to it day after day to remember the promises and remember who God is. And the reason why it's important that we are in this daily is because we are being discipled by someone. Everyone is. Mm-hmm. And we are either follow the counsel or advice of someone. And that's either going to be the world and what it has to say about how we're to live our lives, or it would be the word of God and what God has to say about that. And so we're going to be following someone. You don't just get to follow yourself. That's not possible. You don't follow yourself, right? You make decisions based upon what you see and what you know. And if what you see and what you know is only from the world, then you're going to make your life about what the world has to offer.
1: And sometimes this discipleship that you're describing, this worldly discipleship, is unknown to us, right? It's almost subconscious. Like we don't know that we're being trained in, in the story of the world, right? Yeah. And so um,
0: to, to wrap that, Psalm 1, verse 1 through 2, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And so the Bible is extremely important because it tells us, from the creator of the universe, how life is to operate and what is valuable, what is worthy of our pursuits, where our identity comes from, who the Lord is and what we're actually seeking. And so for our students here at Liberty, our, one of our primary things that we are praying for for our students is that they would love the word of God because our students Amen. and you as adults, like we are being shaped by culture or we are being shaped by the Bible mm-hmm. and what God says. And one leads to life and one leads to death. And we see that in our world. And so what are some ways that we would see that and how we could get more discipline in reading our Bible uh, is trying to spend time in God's word every day, whether that's through reading or listening. The biggest thing is that we would have a love for the word of God because we need it um, in a world that is telling us the opposite of how life is supposed to be. A frequently asked question on this topic is, do I have to read
2: the whole Bible cover to cover?
3: And that's a great question. I would answer that by saying that I believe there are seasons for reading the whole Bible cover to cover or saying, hey, I'm going to live in the book of Ephesians for the next few months and really just break down and study what was Paul's meaning behind this? Who is he writing to? What does each of these verses have to say about the church of Ephesus? And how does it relate to um, where we're at? But then at the same time, if you haven't read the Bible cover to cover, I would say that that is a huge opportunity of growth in your understanding of the whole meaning of Scripture and your relationship with the Lord, because that was how it was given to us. It was given to us to read as an entire story, not. bunch of individual stories. And so I think what Taylor was saying, regardless of the way that you're going about this, it's going to start with um, repetition and spending consistent time in the Lord, but also making sure that you're concentrated in that, that you're free from distractions, that you don't have your cell phone right next to you, or you have set aside time to get away with the Lord and be able to hear the Holy Spirit, um, reveal himself to you. And then Also, with that is comprehension. And John 8 32 says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the important word there is that you will know the truth. And so it's more than just reading the truth, but knowing it. And so making sure you're spending time to really comprehend what God is saying. And then lastly is reflection. And once you've done the work of reading and understanding the context and all of those things, which again, we can spend a whole podcast talking about, but reflecting on what is God saying in this and what What do i do in light of it
2: so here at liberty we do memory verses which is a a big part of what we do but i think the four of us and our pastoral roles a huge part of our heart is as courtney said to make sure that there's a connection between yes it's important to know the bible but not just for the sake of knowing it what good does that do um so there's so many benefits to memorizing scripture and so that's why we're here in our relational centered ministry Um, To disciple the students do? What do you do with the verses that you memorize? How do you apply those to your life personally? So it's not just an intellectual concept that you know, but it's something that you experience as something that you live and breathe. So I found a psychological study that I love, which says that it takes a minimum of 18 days to develop something as a new habit. So whether that's dieting or exercising, or in this case, any of the spiritual disciplines we've listed. It takes 66 days at minimum for that to become a hobby or something that's, you know, you kind of feel weird when you don't do it. And then it takes on average for just the average person, a full year for a hobby to become a lifestyle to the point where Mm. you're doing this, you plan around it. So your work, your other obligations, they work around this thing that you've centered to your life. Yeah. And, how can you develop these spiritual disciplines into a lifestyle so where it doesn't feel so much like you're forcing yourself to do them or you're having to clear your schedule which can get busy Um, so you shouldn't feel overwhelmed by creating these disciplines how can you take steps to turning them into a lifestyle so what are just some practical ways that our listeners can get started if they're inspired by this and they're like Man, I do want to start pursuing disciplines to get more Christ-like. Yeah,
1: I think that's um, uh, there's a lot of practical things that you can do, but the one that I I think I'll talk about because it's been the most helpful for me, uh, because I'm going to be completely transparent. In regards to spiritual disciplines, I am prone to failure, not success. Um, I am prone to not do these things. That is my default. Um, But what has really helped me is community. Uh, Finding a a community to be able to do these things in and with. And so I would highly stress the importance of incorporating these disciplines with whatever community you have. Get your family involved. Um, Get your friends involved. Start a group where you read the Bible together. Uh, Hebrews 10.25 uses that encouragement. It says, do not forsake the assembly or the gathering. Um, as is the habit of many, but gather frequently and encourage one another. Um, and this is what they were doing at those gatherings. They were praying together. They were fasting together. They were reading the Bible together. And so I think a community can be a really practical, helpful tool.
0: I, uh, one thing I would want to do before we end is just to encourage everyone. Whenever we are practicing spiritual disciplines, do not be surprised that it is seemingly unnecessarily difficult that whenever you're engaging in these practices, um, especially whenever you're reading the word of God, that you find yourself to be more distracted than you would normally be reading any other mm. text, um, that we have an enemy, um, who would actually not want you, uh, to read that Bible, to read from the word of God, to be encouraged, uh, by the grace has been extended. And so whenever you're engaging in spiritual discipline, do not be, overly surprised whenever it's more difficult than you thought it would be, Um, but also be encouraged because it is more difficult than you thought it would be because our enemy, is seeing that, hey, you are making an effort to know and seek the Lord. And so there's gonna be attempts to stop that, yeah. uh, to, to thwart that. And so um, I just wanna encourage you whenever you are reading your Bible, when you become distracted, uh, not to become discouraged, like, oh, I guess I'm not a good Christian. No, be encouraged that it is difficult and it is worth it. And, and I would say that in these disciplines, that this discipline isn't just for the sake of discipline, but it's for something better. That you are withholding or taking away something so that you might grasp something greater and Mm -hmm. better. And so for all of the parents who are listening to this, um, is to incorporate this with your family, um, fathers, mothers, that you would do this with your children, uh, that you would enact these spiritual disciplines together, that you would be a family of prayer. Um, is anxiety a marker of your family? Then I think it's a safe bet to say, then prayer might not be a cornerstone in your family. And that might be something really harsh or hard to say, Mm -hmm. but biblically it says that anxiety and prayer are at odds with one another. And so if you feel rushed, if you feel concerned, if you feel anxious, I would just encourage you to seek the Lord in prayer on these things. And so when it comes to fasting as a family, I don't think you can like take away food from your kids because you'll go to CPS and stuff, but I think that we can all evaluate as a family what we treasure, what we fill our times with, what we seek for comfort, whether that's in technology or watching things or going to these places that you would intentionally withhold your family from engaging in that activity for the sake of replacing it with something better, um, of replacing it with time together, of intentional conversation, of studying the word of God together, that we could take those acts Um, together as a family.
3: Yeah, I think the one thing I would leave um, y'all with is just that discipline breeds discipline. And so starting off with one thing and just really pursuing the Lord in that, I think we can become overwhelmed when we see all of these different options of all the areas that we can grow in. Taylor was saying that earlier when he listed them all off and you have that feeling of like, well, I can't, I tried to start them all and now I just feel shame because I can't get any of them to work. And so just choosing one and saying, I'm going to be consistent in prayer and just pray. Pray what I have. And um, in that, you can just see the Lord really work in it. And then it's just going to breed more discipline in your areas of life. So if it's waking up early and studying God's word consistently, you'll just see how that affects your life. And then it's going to breed more discipline. A Bible verse that you will often find on my hand because I have to be reminded of this just frequently is Hebrews twelve eleven And in that verse, it says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Mm. And that is just exactly what Taylor was saying. Like the Bible literally tells us that discipline is going to be painful rather than pleasant in the moment, but later it's going to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And that makes it worth it.
2: So to finish this out, um, we just want to recommend that you find practical tools. We, we'd love to recommend some. I know any, just about any Bible app, um, you can set it to give you reminders to read daily and they have different studies available on different topics, um, or different reading plans to go through. And then even this podcast as a resource. Um, it took some discipline for you to sit down and listen to this whole thing. And so finding these tools and then coming to us, um, we would love to help you find the right tools for you to start developing these disciplines for yourself, for your students, and for your family. But to finish, we just want to add a word of loving caution to um, when you're practicing these spiritual disciplines, avoid becoming religious or legalistic about these because that completely defies the purpose of everything we've laid out for y'all. Spiritual disciplines are not a requirement um, in order to gain God's favor or his love. Um, they're optional at the end of the day, but the more that you do them, the more that you practice and sharpen your spiritual disciplines, the more you'll discover that it will feel less like an option and more like a privilege that you get to spend time with the Lord, that you get to study his word, that you get to challenge yourself in order to be shaped more into the form of Jesus Christ. So Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Remember, it is by faith that we are saved, not through our disciplines, but you should practice them. They're good for you
3: okay so just to end this on a high note um i think that we should end based off of how we started and everyone say the early 2000 fashion trend that oh, you no. wish you could bring back the most bring back uh, yeah just for laughter's sake okay
2: oh.
1: Jinkos, prepubescent, pubescent unfully grown mustache oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that made me cringe I'm like big kidding. time oh my gosh <laughs> uh
2: i'm gonna go with frosted tips oh no <laughs> No. frosted tips i think they look good on the beard on the facial mm. hair. no yeah
3: I'm, I'm torn between juicy couture sweatsuits and ed hardy skull hats
2: wow throwback wow. Uh, yeah. wow wow it's
3: okay i still love jesus
2: um alex do you want to take
0: another swing at it <laughs>
3: <laughs> no <laughs>
0: Thanks for joining us on the SLT podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact us at life at mylcs.com.